So uh, our theme for the year is Back to the Future. And Back to the Future is about trying to reclaim something of the DNA of the early church. I think across the generations, there is something of the vitality, uh, particularly in the spirit that the early church knew that escapes us today. Maybe we're more formal. Maybe we're less expectant. Maybe we're more caught up on the things of life. I don't know what it is, but I think things have changed a little bit. So we're trying to uh, reclaim some of the DNA of the early church. And this year in particular, we're looking at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just about every interaction you have with God is via the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, He plays a tremendous um, role in your and my journey. So we've looked at the role of the Holy uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity so far. We've looked at the role of the Holy Spirit in us. We've looked at the gifts of the Spirit, and we're currently looking at the fruit of the Spirit. I listened to James a couple of weeks ago making smoothies with you, yeah. and somehow she insinuated that a happy meal was actually good for you before it went into the smoothie thing. I don't think that's correct. Sorry, James. It's a happy meal, whether it's smoothie-fied or it's not, it's still a happy meal. And um, probably not the top of the health list, health food list. Uh, anyway, this morning I want to read with you because I think the Scripture says it best. I think the Scripture says it better than we can say it, actually, or ever say it, um, from Galatians chapter 5. And I was trying to work out which way to go with this because the NLT, the way it writes about the fruit of the Spirit is amazing. And then I read the message and it was like, oh my goodness, this is the way that puts it is just mind-blowing. Then I read the passion and I thought, and that's like just out of the park as well, which one do I read? Because you don't want to hear it three times. So we're going to go with the passion this morning, and I'm going to read from 13 to 26. I'm not going to rush it because I really want it to get into you. It is the Word of God. Uh, but what I'd encourage you to do is to read the NLT, the, the New Living Translation, and also the message during the week, not because one is more correct than the other, but because when you take ancient language and you translate it into modern language, there's only so much meaning you can pull out with a word with an English word, and so they take three slightly different approaches and all of them really bring a richness out, which I think you'd, you'd like and find helpful. So we're going to have it up on the screen so you'll be able to follow. So that'll be great. So we're Galatians chapter 5 and we're going from 13. Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. We could park there for the rest of the year. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another expressing love in all that we do. Wow, that's only the first paragraph. There's a lifetime of work right there, a lifetime of exploration. For love completes the laws of God 
All the law can be summarised in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbour even as you care for and love yourself. But if you continue to criticise and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. Isn't that an amazing way of putting it? When you're criticising someone, you're acting like a wild beast. I don't think of it quite that way, but maybe that is the way. I'm like a wild beast. See, you've got to understand here that Paul's writing into a church that's a bit divided. He'd come and he'd preached freedom in the Holy Spirit and then the Jewish teachers had come and they were trying to put the law back on them. So, so Paul's speaking directly into that context and he's saying, you know, the fact that you guys are nitpicking over things and being critical, it's like your wild beasts having a go at each other. If you read around and read deep, it's actually like you will take yourselves out by if you keep doing that. That's what he's saying. You'll take yourselves out. If you're going to be critical, if you're going to pick on all the little issues, you'll take yourself out of the equation. So don't do that. Let's Love is the higher way. That's what he's saying. Then verse 16, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit, oh, sorry, I was going to, I just got, it went down the line and I saw two words. It's not, I saw a Holy Spirit, it's, and it's Holy Spirit. Anyway, live in my head for a minute. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self, life from dominating your soul, dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are self life of the flesh a new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred for those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favoured, Temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. It's a mark of the age, isn't it? Being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all similar behaviour. Haven't I already warned you that those who that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom? or the kingdom life. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. 
We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after Him. I think one of the other translations says, we must keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So may we never be arrogant or look down on one another, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. Wow, pretty powerful, eh? Really powerful scripture. I like it. It's quite clear to me the evidence of trying to do it my way and the evidence of letting God work his stuff and do it his way. And the call for us as disciples of Christ is to do it his way. It's kind of, if you just break it down, that's what he's saying. You've got a choice. We've all got a choice. Do it his way. When I was preparing for this, um, it it reminded me of uh, just a few weeks ago, I was preparing for something and I really felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me from Psalm 1. Jan and I were meant to be doing something together and I went to her and I said, Jan, I reckon that God's speaking from Psalm chapter 1. And she said, well, I disagree with you. And I thought, oh, okay, that's not helpful. And um, she said, I disagree. I've, I've heard clearly that God uh, is speaking to me about Jeremiah chapter 17. I said, okay, well, that's fine. Shall we go and have a look? Because I am right. And we'll just prove that I am right. And anyway, so we went to Psalm chapter 1 and we read it and it said this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked and stand around with the sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do powerful scripture. I really believe that's prophetic to the church right now. Absolutely. Stand firm. It's a stand firm and be planted. Stand firm and being planted and you'll produce fruit. That That's what it's saying. It's it's kind of clear. Isn't it beautiful all the citrus trees out at the moment? If you notice those, I've got a, um, I've got a grapefruit, I've got a mandarin, I've got lemons, I've got limes and I've got lemonades. And it's just like this abundance of citrus at the moment. Incredible. Just coming off the abundance of Fijos into the abundance of citrus. It's not a bad place to live, is it? Anyway, then we went to, um, uh, to Jan's scripture to have a look. Jeremiah chapter 17 from 5 to 8. And it said this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans. I thought the language was quite strong. Cursed thought, wow, that's tough. So I went and looked it up and did a bit of study on it. It means cursed. (laughs) It means actually to expect um, that a supernatural being to work against you is what it means, which is quite strong. So cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope of the future. They will live in barren in the barren wilderness, in an uninhabited, salty land, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Um, Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about long months of drought and they never stop producing fruit. So they both say the same thing. So I had to concede we were both right. We were both right. I was more right. Thank you. 
I'm not even brave enough to say that to her, but, you know, I was more right. No, I am actually. Kind of happens after a long time when you're married, eh? You know, when, when you're first married, you get the look from your wife and, like, everything in your shudders. I'm talking to the guys right now. Don't look at your wives when I'm saying this because, you know, everything shudders. You get the look from your wife and it's like, oh, flip, I've done something wrong. I've got to behave. I have found that after 30 years, it's like, I don't care. You can stare at me all you like. Don't worry about it. And it's easy to say that when she's not here. The, the key to producing regular fruit is about being planted. That's what the scripture's saying. It's about being planted. It's about standing firm. I, I believe passionately that uh, God is saying to the church right now, stand firm. And to stand firm, you've got to be planted. Trees planted by the riverbank. Planted, firm. I think what we've come through has been um, difficult, hasn't it? We're not out the other side yet. But what we've been going through has been difficult for everyone. I haven't talked to one person that hasn't been impacted in one way or another. I, most people I talk to, if you can peel back a couple of layers and get them to a place of honesty, they are feeling depleted in one way or another. People have been tired. We've been living, the, the psychologists tell me that our bodies, we've been living in fight or flight for two and a half years and we're not designed to live there for long periods of time. That's meant to be a, a response to get you away from danger. But the fact that we've been living in that place for so long and not been able to make plans has left people exhausted. And I think the more you talk to people, you hear that. From a leadership point of view, I'm looking at the the um, the way forward at the moment and I'm going, the reality is we should be putting on our, our foot on the gas now and just going for it. But I'm a bit tired, to be honest. I put my foot on the gas and it coughs and splutters sometimes before it gets going. And then I talk to people around me and I go, oh, everyone's feeling exactly the same. It's probably not the wise thing to put the foot on the gas and hope for great results right now. I think we've actually got to walk with humility and we've got to walk with love for one another, as the Scripture says, as we go forward. And that'll be what shines to the world, that we love one another, that we're not going to do this despite one another that we're actually going to engage with God and engage with each other and move forward in a way that is wise, in a way that is honouring, in a way that's lifting of people and do our best to go forward. So I look at Psalm 1, joy. It says, happy and blessed to those who do not sit with the wicked, the sinners or the mockers. In other words, that's not where you get all your advice from. But they delight in God's way meditating on it, pondering on it constantly. The result of that is that you'll be planted, that you'll stand firm and that you will have, that you'll be watered, well-fed and have constant or ample life, flourishing constantly. The key, delight in God's ways and you will produce fruit. You can't, you can't just pop a fruit out when you want one. You know, it's not like I can just squeeze. <laughs> and, and, and some magical fruit's going to appear. No, no, a fruit will appear as a byproduct of standing firm with God, of walking with God. It'll be a byproduct of continuously walking firm with Him. You go to Jeremiah, blessed those who trust in the Lord, whose 
confidence and whose hope is in the Lord. They're like trees that are planted on the riverbank. In other words, they're deep-rooted, they're resilient, they have green leaves, they're healthy, they are always producing fruit. They are standing firm, they are planted. The key, trust and obey God and you'll produce good fruit. Trust and obey God, do it His way and you'll produce fruit. Some of the... um, uh, it's been an interesting period of time, hasn't it? Some of the things that we have have heard, just uh, they don't compel you to stand firm, but the command is to stand firm. The command is to be planted, and how do you get there? Well, and, and so that, it's not just to be firm, it's, um, well, if you look at Ephesians, it's stand firm. When you've done everything you can, stand. Stand. And that's how we're going to win. That's how we win. By standing firm with God. Doesn't say anywhere it's going to be easy. Doesn't say anywhere you're not going to have conflict and have to wade through a myriad of thoughts. What it does tell us to do is to stand firm, make sure we're planted, our roots are deep. I think part of the last two years, two and a half years, has exposed that the roots are not deep for many believers. Sadly, that the roots aren't deep. And when the pressures come on, some of the things being said and some of the behaviours being seen are just not representative of the kingdom of God because the roots aren't deep. I think, you know, once upon a time you went to a church service because that was part of your service to God and the kingdom. We call them gathering these days because otherwise I think people come to church services to be serviced. It's just wrong. The culture's changed. And I believe prophetically that it's a time to stand firm and get our roots deep into God. And I can't do that for you. You've got to do that for you. You've got to make sure that you're feeding well. You've got to make sure that you're planted, planted in the Word of God, planted in your relationship with God, planted in church life, because that brings the best and the worst out of all of us. Hey, you rub up against it. Some days it's just aggravating being in church. It is, hey, look, you look at me like I'm saying foreign language. You all know what I'm saying. And if you don't, you should have been in church more. And you'll learn what I'm saying. Because that's what happens. People from all walks of life come, we rub each other up a bit the wrong way. But it makes us strong. It helps us stand firm. And it allows our roots, you've got to remember church is God's idea, not ours. It, it, the, and our roots will grow deep. And I believe that's what God's saying to the church tomorrow, at the moment is that, come on, stand firm. Make sure your roots are deep. Stand. Stand. And if you stand, you will produce fruit. Because the danger of our generation is we'll go for the, we'll go for the fruit. And I'm no different than any of you. I, I joke I've got magpie DNA in me. Because if it sparkles, I'm after it. It catches my eye. You know, you, you'll have my full attention until someone else gets it. Sadly, it's true. It's just like, but, but that's like chasing the fruit. I'm going to do. I'm going to chase love. I'm going to chase peace. I'm going to chase joy. No, no, they were never meant to be chased. They're meant to be an outflow of our lives, which is a result of standing firm. A result of standing firm. God's desire, if you want to know, is that you stand firm. We, we had that storm, eh? Do you remember that storm that came through a few months ago? That was crazy. At the top of our place, well, it's a neighbour's place, actually a massive gum tree came down across the road. 
it, it just couldn't hack it anymore because the wind was buffeting it from all directions. I think that's the danger if our roots aren't deep into God. We've been buffered. We continue to be buffered. We don't want to come down. My desire for you is that you stand firm. Jesus' desire is for you, is that you stand firm, that you're planted, that you remain green, leaved, green leaf, not green as in green, green leaves, healthy, nourished, producing fruit. That's what God's desire is for us. And so when we read these together with the fruit of the Spirit, To me, what I'm hearing is the age-old battle of you do it by my spirit, says the Lord, or you do it by your rules. You see, we very quickly jump to rules, which become legalism, and it's quite clear there that human effort is not going to cut it because the result of human effort was that great big list of things that will uh, disqualify us from kingdom. So it's either we do it His way, by His Spirit, or we do it our way. And I think there's only one choice in there. One valid, actually there's three choices in there, believe it or not. There are, before I go there, this is the problem. If If we take it legalistic or if we go down the legalism pathway or the rules pathway, what we're actually saying is, I don't trust you, God, to do it. In a nutshell, that's what we're saying. God, I don't trust you to do your work. Therefore, I'm going to put my rules in place that I will follow, that we will follow, because I don't trust that you will guide us where you need to guide us. That makes sense? Which is, but then, on the other hand, if we go by my spirit, there's an incredible responsibility on us then to live according to the spirit, reflecting the kingdom well. I can tell you're not convinced. So I think there's three options. The first option is, which it alludes to in that passage, is the Mosaic law. You know the law that Moses brought off the mountain, the one that was written on the tablets, or the tablets commandments, but but after his conversation with God, he brought the the law. The problem with the law is it's been superseded by Christ. Christ is over and above it. So if you want to hold on to, it says if you're going to keep the law, you should keep all of the law. Well, we know from the Scripture that that's impossible and that Christ has superseded it. So why would you want to go that way? I don't think you would. Essentially, if you're saying you want to keep the law, you are rejecting Christ's provision and embracing legalism. And legalism is just going to kill you, kill life. Interesting, over the years I've found that sometimes people who make out that they're the freest are the most legalistic. It's quite interesting. Second option is, this is so, so if we want to bear good fruit, fruit of the Spirit, is um, we chase after what's in our human spirit, or the Bible says calls it the flesh. So we could have gone the law way, or we can go our way, the way that makes sense to us, the flesh. But that leads to behaviour that's going to forfeit the kingdom. So that's obviously not the way to go. Pretty much everything that is wrong with the world is a reflection of that. So we don't want to go there. But then thirdly, there is by my spirit. 
by the Spirit of God, which produces the fruit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faith, gentleness, strength, self-control, by His Spirit. It it produces fruit out of your life, out of my life, that represents a culture of heaven. And it says to this there is no limit. I don't, I'm not sure that the fruit is there primarily for our own well-being, although it will do us a lot of good. I wonder if the main reason that these fruits will flow out of our lives is to show people or other people looking on that you do things according to God's way and God's plan and God's pattern. This is what a life can look like. This is what a community can look like. That was the, the Israel, that was their whole thing, wasn't it? They were to be a, a light for the rest of the world that when the world looked on, they'd go, oh, okay, so those guys worship Yahweh and if you do life Yahweh's way, your life will look like that and it's better than anything else on the planet. Well, essentially, that's the role of the church now. Yeah. It's a role for me and for you because, you know, the temple, we are the temple, you're a temple. You're a temple now. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So all of that old... Uh, Testament imagery, you you actually carry that in yourself now, that imagery, because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So in essence, God is setting us up so that when we do it His way, according to His Spirit, according to His directions, our lives will be attractive to those around us. It's an amazing thought. Of these things, there is no limit. Or in other words, the more, the better. The more joy, the better. Yeah. That would be interesting. I wonder what church would look like with the more joy, the better. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Think about that for a minute. You might smile. <laughs> what, what would it look like? The more joy, the better. What would it look like? The more peace, the better. The more patience, the, my wife would say. I think we should cross that one off personally. But anyway, the more patience, the better. The more kindness, the better. A life filled with virtue. The more faith, the better. The more gentleness of heart, the better. More strength of spirit, the better. There is no way that you and I can consistently make good, godly fruit from human effort. Oh, we can turn it on for a little bit. You know, we can do that. That's within our capabilities. But consistently, to have a life that good fruit is coming out. We can't just turn that on. It's about the Spirit of God. It's about being planted in God. It's about standing firm in God. It's about cultivating life in the Spirit. I don't think we actually get the Holy Spirit's desire to live and breathe and guide and teach and talk to us. Oh, you know, it's at times we do, but on a continual basis. Have you noticed that it doesn't matter what time of the day or night, what day of the week it is, if you stop and ask the Holy Spirit, He'll answer you. Incredible, eh? So imagine if we lived like that. Imagine if that was our first port of call. Oh, no, I'm going to go to the Holy Spirit before I go forward with this. I'm going to go to Holy Spirit before I react to this. I'm going to go to Holy Spirit before I make a decision on this. What would he say? 
because his desire is to live in every part, that we live in freedom, every part. And so stand firm. Be planted. Make sure you're planted. Make sure you're feeding yourself. I think that's why many people have come unstuck, because they don't feed themselves. So when things changed, when world changed, when I say people come unstuck, if you look around, there'll be people, uh, MIA, you know, missing in action. There'll be people that you know, people that you've been doing life with, that if you look around, they're not here. And they may not be here for a good reason today, but they, they're not here. And when you look around, you can't find them. Where are they? It would be really good. I think it would be a great example of fruit in the spirit if we text those people this week. You know, just ask God to highlight someone to you. Lord, highlight someone to every person who is MIA in their journey, missing in action in their journey. And maybe just a, a text them going, hey, miss you. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on in your world? Hey, it's time for a coffee. Hey, come over for dinner. I don't know. It could be a million things, couldn't it? Hey, but just reach out and connect because we've got to help people get planted. We can't plant them. We've got to help people get planted. That's going to be by putting their eyes on God, on his word, his church, really building that relationship and then encouraging them to stand, stand firm. Father, I pray that you would speak by your spirit to each of us. I ask Holy Spirit that you would encourage each about our journey with you, that you'd highlight, even in this moment, if we are teetering a bit. The things we need to change so that we stand firm. Father, my prayer for your church is that we stand firm, that we're well planted, that the fruit we produce is constant. And that it's a result of life with you, not a striving to obey a set of rules. Or just simply trying to muster something up ourselves so that we look the part. I feel to encourage you to be brutally open and honest with God about where you're at. Because He knows. We think we're hiding from Him. We're only fooling ourselves. And you know, my my favourite prayer seems to be that I pray it more and more these days. goes something like this. Lord, help. Jan said to me the other day, she said, 
So how are you doing? That's always a loaded question with her. And I thought about it for a moment. I thought, you know, the truth of the matter is I said to her, well, it depends which moment you ask me at the moment. If you ask me at the right moment, I'm doing great. If you ask me two minutes later, I might not be great. It's just the way it is. It's really good to have that conversation with God. It's like, Lord, it hasn't been the easiest season. I've got to stand in front of people on Sunday and they're going to think I've got it all together. But the truth is, Lord, some moments are better than others. I wake up some mornings and I'm tired. Some mornings I just want to get off the train. But I will stand firm in you. I thank you for planting me. I thank you that you've filled my life with your presence. I thank you that you speak to me through the Word. I thank you that when I'm talking to you, you speak to me, you guide me, you promise to guide my next steps. I thank you that you lift me up and hold me up when I'm tired. I thank you that you've got a plan and a purpose for my life, which is great. I thank you that you've called me to where I am and what I'm doing, to wherever, whenever, be like Jesus, and that you'll sustain me to be the person that I need to be. I thank you that you love me beyond measure, that your hand of grace and purpose is on my life. I thank you that you can see down the track a bit and I don't have to worry about that. I thank you that you are meeting my needs daily. I thank you that you fill me and that you ensure my leaves are green. I thank you that there are fruit flowing from my life. And Father, when I make a complete mess of it, I ask that you grace me with the ability to go again and again and again and again that when I fall short, you'd lift me up. That when I think I've made a complete mess of it, you'd whisper in my ear and say, go again, son. I thank you, God, that this is a journey and it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And that we get to do it with you. And Lord, this morning, I I bless your church with hope and I bless your church with peace and I bless your church with the desire to go again. I bless your church to see through your lens. I bless your church with the ability to stand firm. I bless your church with a godly desire to dig in and to grow in the things of God, to get into your Word, to have conversation with you. Pray to keep our eyes fixed on you. Father, I ask this morning that you would encourage your church, everyone, your church, and that we would stand. And as Ephesians says, when we've done all else, that we would stand firm. That our simple standing would be a beacon of hope to those around us. Father, for those who are struggling in their relationship with you. I just release hope today in Jesus' name. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would release desire in Jesus' name. That you would turn 
the eyes of each of us to you and that the distractions would drop to the ground and you'd give us the ability and the desire and the hunger to press into you. And Lord, that that would be a glorious relationship for those who really struggle with hefting to. I ask that you'd smash that lie in Jesus' name and that you would release and I want to for each one in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you are Lord of your church. I thank you that you direct us, that you give us the instructions, that you guide us, that you love us. And I ask today that you would fill us afresh in Jesus' name. Father, that we would be full of your Spirit, that we'd be abounding in love, carrying hope for the generations around us. So I bless your church in Jesus' name and give you thanks.